G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We often talk about the idea of connecting faith to life. And some will ask some deeper questions about what that might truly mean. There is an intersection of our Christian faith with the community that we live in. And as biblical wisdom continues to grow in individuals and in churches and in communities, we always have that opportunity to go back to the Scriptures and to discuss where those thoughts come from. Our next guest has formulated a lot of great thoughts about biblical wisdom and distilled those into a new book called Say Unto Wisdom. Joseph Stephen is the author of that book, and Joseph's joining us to talk through some of the issues. Hello, Joseph. Welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Great to be here. Joseph, tell me about your new book. It's called Say Unto Wisdom. Where does that saying come from, and just how significant is it that we're lacking a lot of the biblical wisdom that you're talking about? Well, growing up, I came from a very dysfunctional family. um, My parents divorced in 1987, and I had a very tumultuous background. And I, I came into marriage and into fatherhood very ignorant of what the Bible said about relationships. And one day, as my journey progressed, I came across a verse in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, which talks about dealing with elders in the church as, as fathers and older women as mothers and younger brethren as, as brothers and uh, younger women as sisters. And I thought, well, how do you know how this works? How, how does this how does this actually work out in, in, in real life? Where do you find out these things? And, of course, it points back to the biological family. And so I searched the scriptures from cover to cover to glean what I could from the scriptures about how a biblical family, the principles that, that would govern a biblical family. And there was this one very precious verse in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 4, which basically says, Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister in the King James. And initially I thought, well, what does that mean? And then I went back to the beginning of Proverbs, and the first five chapters are basically teaching how precious wisdom is, how valuable it is, how it must be protected, and how it must be guarded and and cherished. And then it says in in chapter 7, verse 4, Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister. And this was a, uh, a wow moment for me that all of a sudden I got this deep understanding that we are to value our sister as we should value wisdom. And then I thought, well, does the Bible speak about the depth of relationships with brothers? Does it speak about the relationship with fathers and sons, with mothers and daughters? And the whole journey began to unfold. And there is so much in the Bible about biblical relationships, and most of it is just not seen 
or even taught in the church today. And so you've begun to break down some of those thoughts. Uh, The first part of your book, all about relationships in the family and in the church and how they should look from a biblical perspective. And then you proceed into the second part of your book, uh, talking about practical scriptural insights for nurturing relationships. There's a natural progression there, isn't there? Talking about what they should look like, and then practical tips for actually making those things happen in your own family, in your own home, in your own church. Yes, and having said that, no family's ever going to be perfect. My family's not going to be perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. But... We have goals. We have the, the standard, the foundation. The Word of God is a frame of reference in, in a culture where we are adrift, where we, we have no anchor. The Bible presents to us a foundation. And so though we're not perfect, we have these things to go back to. And, and we can say on a daily basis, hang on, brothers and sisters, are, are you brothers, do, do you love your sister as you love wisdom? Do you love wisdom? Uh, sisters, are you are you loving your brothers as you should, or are you slandering your own mother's son, and that is dishonouring your mother as well? Uh, brothers uh, or sons, do you honour your father? Do you respect me as as the Bible says? Uh, husbands, uh, am I loving my wife as Christ loved the church? Uh, wives, are, are you doing good, and is the law of kindness on your tongue? Are you treating your husband? with the respect that he deserves under God. And so all of these things are are brought out. And, of course, the second half deals with a lot of the practical issues. You know, who wants to be the greatest? Sibling rivalry and um, getting back to family worship, getting back to honouring God in our everyday experience. There There are lots of things that we deal with in the book. Joseph, from a perusal of the book, I note that that word respect, and you mentioned it as you were describing the way relationships don't work so well anymore, but you do focus in on that word respect, whether it's uh, from younger people to their elders and uh, within the marriage relationship and within families, and uh, your ideas about relationships being these days shallow and impersonal and friendships that become transient falling in love with technology and out of touch with humanity. Uh, this issue of respect, it's very, very widely lost, isn't it? It's lost, and it is absolutely vital, because if you do not have respect of children of parents, for instance, you will not communicate the faith of God to the next generation. And we see this in the Old Testament. Of course, none of them were perfect, and of course, this is a great mark of authenticity of the Bible, that it shows everyone's warts and wrinkles and, and things like that. But just a, you know, a few examples, for instance. Joseph, he commands his sons to bury his bones, to take them back and bury his bones uh, with them in Canaan. And it's like 200 years or more before his bones finally go back to Canaan. But, I mean, who of our family would even care what we said 200 years from now, let alone remember what we said 200 years from now? Such was the respect of the patriarch in the Bible. And, of course, people say, well, that's just old-fashioned. But God's ways are wisdom, and they're there for our learning. And we would do well to glean that wisdom 
and apply it to our families first. And of course, if you fix the family, you fix the church, and then you fix the nation. And really, we keep having to come back to this grassroots thing. If you don't fix the family, you've got Buckley's of fixing the church and the nation. Joseph Stephen is our guest. He's the author of a new book called Say Unto Wisdom. And it's a book about the application of biblical wisdom. There is a website at which you can find a copy of this book, get a hold of it. It's faithfulgenerations.com. So www.faithfulgenerations.com. We're talking about this book, Say Unto Wisdom. We're back with more in just a short while. Taking a little time to talk about biblical wisdom. Sometimes we talk about connecting faith to life. Well, one of those ways of doing that in a practical way is to understand biblical wisdom and then incorporate that into our own relationships in our lives. Well, there is a new book on the market. It's called Say Unto Wisdom. The author is Joseph Stephen. Joseph is with us now. Joseph, as we talk about practical wisdom, biblical wisdom, what you've done with your book is you've tried to distill uh, the wisdom from the scriptures when it comes to relationships. And we're talking about children and parents and uh, within families, within marriages. Is that a fair way of saying this is what you've tried to do, distilling the wisdom of the Bible into a short book that can be easily picked up by anyone? Yes. I'm very uh, conscious of the fact that people don't have a lot of time. And so what I really wanted to do is get rid of my own waffle and basically distill the passages of Scripture, connect them all together, bring them together into a short book that is manageable. So if we were going through some of your chapter headings, uh, one of those is Behold the Fire and the Wood. What sort of wisdom do you bring out in that first chapter? This is an amazing chapter. People kind of think about Isaac as this young child, but as he's walking up the hill up Mount Moriah and he's with his dad and he's he's thinking, Dad, there's uh, the wood and the fire and the knife, but Dad, where's the lamb? And he's not a child. He's carrying the wood. He's been on a three-day journey on foot and he gets to the top and his dad says, Son, lay on the altar. And he takes the knife. Isaac never fought his father. He said, Dad, you're... He never said, Dad, you're crazy. He was obedient unto death. And that is an incredible example to where we want our sons to be in terms of obedience to their parents. And of course, not only did Isaac trust his father there, but Isaac trusted his father to send his most trusted servant to find him a wife. He didn't even go with him. But such was the trust and the respect within the family. And while, you know, it's probably unlikely that we get quite there today, what we talk about in our family is this honour and respect that will lead children to trust the judgment of their parents rather than the judgment of their peers, especially in issues of morality, of the world, of wisdom, of life, of business, of, you know, because biblical wisdom speaks to all of life, uh, not just church life. Another one of your chapters, Am I My Brother's Keeper? What's the biblical wisdom that you're distilling in that chapter? This chapter really talks about the fact that 
siblings today tend to be very individualistic. We send our children off to school. They're all off in their own grades. They, they aren't taught as siblings to be close. And so, you know, as Cain asked, am I my brother's keeper? And God, God's response was, well, yes, you are, and you know you should be, but you're deliberately not being. Um, it's really to distill the idea that we need to teach our children to value each other and to be close and to grow and respect each other and to realize that blood is thicker than water. And God places great value on relationships. This is part of the way you distill wisdom, isn't it? You say, well, if we're talking about relationships, how does God respond when there are relationship challenges? But God places great value on relationships in the family and in the church and to the broader, wider community and to those who are even our enemies. Correct. And this is the thing, as you mentioned earlier, we've fallen in love with technology and out of reality, out of touch with humanity and everything. Even, you know, even Christianity today has been reduced to a set of, um, well, in some churches, a set of, of things we do, programs, youth group, Sunday school, all the different programs, when really God Right back in the, in the garden, it was a walk-along, talk-along relationship. In the garden, Adam called, uh, God called Adam, where are you? And right through the scriptures, we see God calling right into, Revela- into Revelation, where he says, come, all ye that are, um, you know, come and buy of me uh, things that don't cost money. And, you know, he, he's all about relationship. And, of course, the relationship's only possible when you've had your relationship restored through the blood of the Lord Jesus and and salvation. But it's all about relationship. It's not about things. It's about relationship. And so is the family. And and we've lost it. We've lost the art of nurturing relationship. We've lost the art of communication. We we don't know what respect is. We're very egalitarian. And what I mean by that is we send our women to the front line of our battles, we expect daughters and sons to be brought up precisely the same. You know, we're sending all women into sport and everything today. and It's just a hodgepodge, whereas God has distinct roles. He has distinct functions. He has respect of, uh, you know, the younger to the elder. He has um, the husband and the wife working together as, as um, sharing the load rather than competing with one another. And... All these things are totally lost today, and we, and that's why we're in the mess we're in. And Joseph, you're putting a lot of the blame at the foot of media, or at least our the way that we succumb to the media and allow it to dominate the shaping of our conscience consciousness uh, right from our childhood through to our adult years. And and what you're saying is that Christian families ought to look different to worldly families, but they don't because they're so influenced by this same shaping uh, from this sort of secularized environment in the media. Is that a fair enough assessment of the sorts of things you talk about? Yes, I I do talk about that, but it's not just the media. It's even the the education system. Uh, It's the fact that most of our, or a lot of our churches too, have been uh, influenced by the same secular thinking. So there are lots of areas of influence that we need to question and we need to come back and say, what does the Bible really say? And that's what I had to do because I didn't have a role model. I had to look back and I had to, I mean, I had to look into the Word of God and I had to say, well, God, 
I'm failing. You're the author of relationships. How is it supposed to work? What am I supposed to teach my children? How am I supposed to treat my wife? How is my wife supposed to treat me? What, how do we fix the mess that we're in? And, of course, it's a progress. It's a, it's a, it's a journey. But we have to start somewhere, and we need to start now. So when we're talking about a book with some distilled wisdom, I mentioned it's an easy book to read. This is not complicated. This is biblical foundation. So you've got Bible stories, Bible verses, and then the application as to how that helps to build those bonds within family and within local church. And if you use this wisdom, uh, then you'll be applying the wisdom of God, the timeless wisdom of God. And things should look different in your life and in your family when you apply this wisdom. Absolutely. I mean, as I said, there's no quick fix to life. This is not a feel-good self-help book. This is, this is what God says. If you apply it, you will reap the fruit of it. If you don't apply it, there will be bad fruit. You will not get perfection, but you will be learning and growing by the wisdom of God and reaping the benefit of it. Joseph, some will say, well, I go along to my local church and I see my pastor or my priest uh, on a Sunday, they preach a message uh, that helps to shape who I am. Is that enough, do you think? Uh, do you need to have a specific and more in-depth insight into biblical wisdom and then having the will to be able to make that biblical wisdom real in your life? How do you describe this process and the commitment that's needed to actually bring about this biblical wisdom and the fruit that it brings in your relationships and your family? Absolutely. King David wrote a wonderful psalm in, in Psalm 63, the hunger and the thirst for the Word of God. You see, there are a lot of things that are called Christian. There are a lot of labels out there today, a lot of books, a lot of um, programs, some churches, whatever, that, that call themselves Christian. But, you know, it's interesting, even our enemy, even, even um, a great humanist once said, what can a theistic Sunday school do to stem the tide of a five-day program of humanism and you cannot expect to know the word of god and apply it to your life if the only input you have is an hour on sunday morning and the rest of your life is spent in the world soaking up the world the culture of the world the media of the world the books of the world you cannot expect to grow well the title of the book we're talking about is say unto wisdom and that's taken from a proverb, Proverbs chapter 7, verse 4. Say unto wisdom, you are my sister. Uh, it's about distilling biblical wisdom and then making the application to our own lives personally and then the lives of our family and broadly into our community. Here's how you can get a hold of this new book. Uh, the author is Joseph Stephen. Joseph's been our guest. The website that you can go to to access a copy of this book is www.faithfulgenerations.com. That's faithfulgenerations.com. And Joseph, this is the sort of book I imagine that you'd like people to read personally, but you'd also like to get it into the hands of other family members, because if a family is going to grow with biblical wisdom, there is a sense, isn't there, that each one needs to have access to that biblical wisdom, perhaps then talk about that together and then grow together in that biblical wisdom. 
Absolutely. I mean, people would say, well, why can't I just read my Bible? And you absolutely can do that. But I think this book is a bit of a shortcut. It's, it's distilled down the, the vital truths for the father-son, the husband-wife, the brother-sister relationships, and also how those relationships then, as I said, come back to teach about the relationships in the church as well. Well, Joseph, Stephen, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us. FaithfulGenerations.com to get a hold of Joseph's new book. He's the author of the book that's called Say Unto Wisdom. Joseph, Stephen, thanks for being with us on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.